0: Welcome to episode 544 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with writer, editor, educator, among other things, Jennifer Delazanne. We talk with Jennifer as she sits in her place on the other side of the Hudson and we delve into her background good advice curiosity prudence following people on their journeys Georgia being a columnist for a gun magazine correspondence schools saying yes to every opportunity Connectors, A Magic Wand, The Molly Maguires, her newsletter Beats, Nashville Country, Texas Country, Bakersfield Country, Anias Nin, a great, wonderful conversation with Jennifer Della of this go-around. We also have two E.W. poetic pieces. Ooh, poetic pieces. The first is titled, News Update, and the second, Wisps of Anthropocene. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it, then. Episode 544 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. green brown eyes of soulful contemplation hungers so for wakefulness to transcend this living like a drone the poppy seed cupcakes made fresh earlier in the day set there in the glass case on the top shelf in satin pink cups of jubilant posture. The lunchtime crowd bustles and lingers as the day is in its own time, steadfast, subtle, sublime. Something hey. Jennifer DeLazana, is that you? That's me. So nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock Tours. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure. And uh, before we get started, let me share a little background information with the listeners. Jennifer DeLazana is a writer, editor, and educator. She loves to combine history, mythology, fantasy, and romance in her fiction. Jennifer has had articles published in more than 30 print and online magazines, as well as six articles for the Encyclopedia of Sex, Love, and Courtship in the Medieval World. She co-wrote with Rich Redman the book Making It in Country Music, an insider's look at the industry, published in May 2023 by Roman and Littlefield. Jennifer also publishes a newsletter about pursuing the creative life, with Mr. Redmond, called Beats. In the near future, Jennifer plans to sample life as an international digital nomad. Presently, she lives in New York City with her daughter. Troubadours and Raconteurs is very happy to have on the program, Jennifer Delezana. Again, thank you for being here.
1: Hi. Uh, Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, and I've been listening to uh, past episodes that you've done. Um, I should note that I, we don't live in New York City. We live we live on the Jersey side of New York City. Oh, on
0: the Jersey side of the Hudson. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess it, it's all it, it's sort of influenced by New York City, but I'm glad you're being technically accurate. Yeah. You, you well, were,
1: I, if I if I'm with friends like from Maryland, where where we we were last living, where we're from, um, I usually say I'm near New York City, and if I'm Talking to friends from New York City, I'm very careful to say I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> I'm living in New Jersey.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I get that totally. I get that. Um, and you're right now you're there, you're at your place in Jersey?
1: Yes, I am. So you'll hear the traffic in the street.
0: <laughs> That's always a nice effect. Yeah. So uh, I understand you're a, sort of a friend and an associate of our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, right?
1: Yes, yes. Oh, I have I have a story about him later on.
0: Oh boy, you got you got the goods on him. That'd be nice. I do,
1: Well, no. <laughs> Mike is amazing. I don't think I have any dirt. I don't have any dirt on Mike.
0: No, I do actually. I have <laughs> I have dirt on Mike. Uh, but yeah, he's a good man. He is for sure. And we're so happy to have him as our associate producer because he brings in great guests like you. Um, so let's get started. Let's let's hear a little bit about your background and how you came to write on such a range of subjects. You know, I mentioned before how you like to combine history, mythology, fantasy, and romance. How did all, how did you get to where you are right now?
1: Uh, um, well, with, whenever anybody asks me how I got here, I feel like I talk for like three days. So I'll try to keep it short. Uh, but first I should mention that actually I'm originally from Pennsylvania too. Oh, cool. So where you guys were, are, um, So it's really, I think, a combination of good advice I received early in my career and some really amazing people who are incredible connectors and uh, one of whom is Mike, and a crazy amount of curiosity. I took a personality test once and it said that my greatest strength was curiosity and my least greatest strength was prudence. (laughs) So I took that to mean that curiosity actually did kill the cat and maybe I'm a cat <laughs> so like most writers I I grew up reading voraciously and writing but it wasn't something that I ever thought could be an actual career when I went to college I thought I was to gonna be a minister my dad's a minister and I was always involved in the church and I had a triple major in history German and Greek mm. like for real, that was my major. <laughs> my now ex-husband, Gary, always teased me about it. Uh, the good advice came from a friend who actually started out as an employer and a mentor when I was first in college. And he said, always say yes to any opportunity you're offered, even if you don't know how to do it. You can figure it out as you go along.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: hear uh, that. I, I do have to say that I sometimes take That advice a little too far in my life So now I have a chalkboard near my desk where I write ideas and I have written on the bottom something I read recently which said you can say yes to anything, but you can't say yes to everything Yeah (laughs) Which I try to follow that advice. I read it every day before I leave my house I I met Gary my ex-husband in college and he was pre-med and I just sort of followed him along on his journey as I tend to do with people. My younger daughter once told me that I get passionate about whatever my friends and family are interested in, and she (laughs) says it's kind of my love language. (laughs) So I learned everything about running a medical office by working for one of his bosses, and then we got married, and we moved to Georgia, and I ran his office, and he burned out because he was the only surgeon in the county in rural North Georgia, and we moved to Maryland when he got a job for the FDA, and now he works for the NIH. Um, from the time he was in medical school, I'd been freelancing kind of as a hobby, writing about whatever caught my interest. The first article I sold was actually for a gun magazine. Wow. Mm. And I ended up, well, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I hunted. Um, I ended up being a columnist there for a while, but I've done everything from reporting on the Chevy Bolt when it was first coming out to like, like a few decades ago now to how to throw an 80s party. <laughs> so,
0: i love 80s parties
1: i love 80s parties <laughs> soon after moving to maryland i saw an ad looking for somebody to write an online course about medical transcription for the company that eventually became pen foster and that's where i met mike uh,
0: yeah and He'd that's a correspondence edited. school basically
1: yeah basically yeah. back then it was called a correspondence school now it's called online learning <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. It was right. like the International Correspondence School, I think, is is where it, that particular Penn Foster started. Oh, started? Yeah. When I,
1: st- when I started working for them, they were Thompson, which is uh, now Thompson Reuters.
0: Yeah, it, it morphed a couple of times. The reason yeah. I bring it up is because International Correspondence School, ICS, that was one of the first in this country, and people... You know, back in the eighteen hundreds, would learn how to how to tool and die making or what have you. You know, through correspondence right. in school. Yeah, right. Pretty cool. Yeah,
1: so we're from that tradition. But oh my goodness, it's come a long way. Um, so Mike was the editor for that course, and I wrote that course. And then they needed somebody to write a course on medical coding, which I also knew. So he assigned that to me, and then he started coming to me with these strange assignments. And one day, I asked him what do you know about me that makes you think I can write
0: this?
1: (laughs) I think it was an actual clinical medicine textbook. And remember, I was a history German Greek major. I just happened to marry a doctor. Um, And he said, I have subject matter experts who give us the information. I just need a good writer to make it sound right. And I was like, no, okay, thank you. Carry on. (laughs) So Mike probably doesn't even remember saying that, but it, it changed my life. I still replay it in my head whenever I start to doubt myself, which is a lot.
0: How did it change your life?
1: I literally just gave me the confidence that, I, I mean, I had somebody who was hiring me over and over again and told me I was a good writer. That's all it took, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I guess I'll be a writer.
0: <laughs> and here you are now making a I- living.
1: So, And then Mike called me one day, and their sister company, ed go needed somebody to adapt Penn Foster's coding course to one on their platform, which would be a shorter course. And he wondered if I would mind if he recommended me. So I said, sure, because I was now used to saying that to Mike whenever he asked me to do something. So I so he probably doesn't know that either. He could probably call me tomorrow and say, hey, can you do this? I'd be like, yes, anything you want. <laughs> So I started writing their online coding course and about halfway through they said something about teaching the course and I was like, whoa, I didn't know there would be teaching involved. Uh, But I did it because say yes to every opportunity. Uh, And this was about maybe 2004, so the very first online class I ever took was called something like how to teach an online class. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And almost 20 years later I'm still teaching that class and five others and ed often hires me to write and edit other people's classes. So, Mike was literally life-changing. And and now I'm an editor on top of being a writer, but that sort of came about by accident after graduate school, which was a low-residency program, which means most of it is online. And the only reason I had the nerve to even get that MFA degree in writing popular fiction was because I was teaching online already because of Mike. So I connect him to that too.
0: That's fantastic. You're making his day, his year, giving him all these props. Uh, but I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes all you need is someone who recognizes ability and talent uh, in, in you, and, and then it gives you the okay to believe in yourself. Uh, you know, It's maybe not the best thing. You know, Maybe you should not need that, I suppose. I not mean, need
1: external. Right. You know, right.
0: But if you do indeed need it, and a lot of us do, for whatever reason, it's nice when you get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and now, I mean, I look at I'm looking at all the different projects you've been involved in. As I mentioned, yeah, you even wrote a, a a book about making country music, right? Or making it in country music. Mm-hmm. Are you a country music uh, artist?
1: I am not an artist. Um, that is re- well, I play the piano, but that doesn't count. <laughs> Uh, This is really another story about an amazing connector. So actually, my friend J.C. Clifford is the connector of all connectors. You will never meet anybody like him. Uh, We've been friends since we were kids. In fact, his parents bought the house his mom still lives in from my parents. Wow. So I always say J.C. grew up sleeping in my room yeah and yeah. and about the time i finished my master's degree he was working with another friend of ours from high school chris bullier who developed this product called drum tax it's a sticky sort of foam device that you can put on a drum head in different places to achieve different sounds mm-hmm. so sorry jc and chris if i really screwed up that description <laughs> um Anyway, because of the marketing they were doing, JC was traveling around and working with all kinds of drummers to show them how to use it, and it ended up being pretty popular with country drummers in particular, so during that time he became actual friends with Rich Redmond, who's Jason Aldean's drummer. Wow. And Rich said that he had a book about half-formed, and but he was kind of stuck on it. And he wondered if JC knew any ghostwriters. And JC said, yep, I'll ask my friend Jen. And he called me and asked if I could ghostwrite Rich's book. And I said, I've never ghostwritten anything in my life. And JC said, ah, just come down to Nashville and meet him. So you can't meet Rich Redmond and not do anything he wants you to do. but okay, maybe that's just me. Maybe I just do whatever people want me to do. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Were you like starstruck a little bit?
1: Um, I guess I wasn't, I was more just nervous about meeting him. I, I already knew Jason. I'd already been to a Jason Aldean concert. Um, but I didn't know Rich, but, but JC really just made him very normal person seeming. Um, so we were, so I, I was nervous as far as, oh my gosh, am I going to write a book with this guy? And I hadn't ever considered collaborating on a book before. I just write by myself, you know? So we were out to dinner and I was all nervous and I had my resume printed out in my bag and like ready to kind of do a pitch. And he just said, So are we going to write a book together? <laughs> I was like, Sure. Because always say yes to an opportunity, right? Right. Uh, And so it ended up being co-written instead of ghost written, which really means my name is also on the cover. Right. uh, Because he wrote from his perspective. And I ended up doing research and interviews and all that to put some solid support behind the, like, memoirish aspect of his writing. So it's not just this is how I did it. It's really a comprehensive look at the industry, the heritage of the music, even, even a little peek into what we think will be the future of the genre. Uh, seven years it took from seven years from meeting him till when it finally came out.
0: And and I it got a little traction, didn't it?
1: Uh, it has been well. I've been oh my goodness, uh, it's it's work marketing your book. I mean we we published The Roman and Littlefield, and they're they're uh, I would say meet. They're still considered an independent press, you know, they're not one of the big five. Um, and so there was, they work with us and they do some amazing things. They just did an ad spread for us for Nashville Scene, which is amazing. Um, but mostly, and, and I think even if you're published at the big five these days, a lot of the work of marketing falls on the author's. And so I've been doing like deep dives into marketing and figuring it out, which always scared me. But whenever I'm learning something, I get interested in it. So it's been fun learning how to do all of this. Um, I've met some really interesting, credible people, including our editor, Michael Tan. I thought it was done and polished when we sent it to him, but his ideas really took it to another level and the book launch has just been so It came out in May and it's just been one fun thing after another. Really like this. So I'm going down to Nashville again, uh, for the Southern festival of books this wow. month. And then next month, uh, we won an award that ha- came with an award ceremony down in Miami. So I'm, I'm going down for that. Um, so I've been traveling somewhere every month and doing fun things and, keeping track of where it is on amazon stats and um and it has great reviews so I, I, yeah i'm super super excited about it and really proud of it it's really it's a good book yeah. one of the best one of the best um remarks i got on it was rich's girlfriend who she is a she's in fashion merchandising Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I picked it up because, you know, it's my boyfriend's book and I should read his book when it comes out, you know. And she goes, I kind of th- figured I'd just skim through it, but I kept getting interested in it and I just read the whole thing and I it went fast and I really loved it. And I was like, wow, that is the nicest thing anybody's
0: ever said. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know she was just going through it as out of obligation but she ended right. up genuinely getting drawn in that's great right. and again the book is making it in country music an insider's look at the industry just published a few months back in May of this year 2023 if you want to want to look for it look at the usual places i'm sure you'll find it and and uh, this relationship with mr redmond uh Work relationship has has developed even further into another project. I understand, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Um,
0: well, before we go there, though, I want to yeah. ask: Have you learned anything about, uh, given your research, country music that you 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 were surprised by or that fascinates you regard, oh, sorry, regarding its yes. place in our culture here in the United States of America?
1: Um. Well. Well. That- it's, it's such a fascinating sort of machine, the whole country music, um, Nashville country music part of it. One of the really interesting things that I found that I did not know before going in anything about is that the sort of Nashville country music scene is uh, well, a lot of people call it corporate country <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and is completely different from the Texas country music scene okay there's completely different top 10 lists for texas country and nashville country
0: i didn't realize that
1: i didn't either it's it's crazy like seriously i've never heard i never heard of some of the artists that were are on the texas top 10 before i started doing this book
0: see for me i get that in a way that now that you mentioned like to me texas country would be a willie nelson though he has Although a connection started in Nashville. Right, he moved to Nashville. Everybody <laughs> moved to Nashville right back in the day and and I guess I don't know maybe there's a bigger scene in Texas than it used to be, but it used to be if you were going to make it big you had to go to Nashville, right? In the country world. Right.
1: Well, he went to he started in Nashville, got pretty big, went out to Austin and said I'm going to stay here.
0: <laughs> right. So there's two different worlds, uh, you know. Uh,
1: there's three really because Bakersfield, California has its own sound. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: So Nashville country, Texas country, and Bakersfield, California country. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And is, it, is
0: there still a country and Western genre, or is that gone?
1: Um, I don't know if the people out West call it country Western. I know Rich hates that term, country Western. Because that used
0: to be what it was called uh, yes. a while back, right?
1: I said it once, and he groaned, and I was like, oh, sorry, am I not <laughs> supposed to say that? <laughs> um. I don't know, but the other the other really interesting thing is uh, the biggest gains in country music popularity now are in England. Hmm. So England and Australia are really big. There's even a country music. Uh, there's country music festivals down in Australia. So there's another. That's another sound. And Rich has actually done some some work with some Australian artists. Um, and the interesting thing about the English artists is like their top five country artists four of them are women Mm. and women kind of get short shrift in america in country music it's a you know it's a very big boys club um but a lot of the people coming up in england are women
0: and that's interesting and do they try to mimic what they have seen and come to love out of the united states country music scene or do they do their own thing
1: it's very I think it's very heavily influenced but of course you have your own thing going on when you know you have other influences too than what an American artist would have too so I'm sure it all comes together for a, a unique sound
0: yeah I'm curious you yeah, know I'm curious to listen to it so it sounds the same though you know it's country music
1: yeah and and you know and their and their aim is always to sort of you know make it over here you yeah, know because yeah. that's where the that's Where the
0: machinery is right, just like Brit- the British invasion of rock and roll and, and how that was influenced heavily by blues uh, music from the United States of America and bluegrass music from the United States of America right. but yeah but it's very there's definitely a symbiotic relationship though uh, here and, and in, in England and I suppose um, Australia makes sense we're all connected to it in a certain way historically
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh wow, this is I, I didn't even know those scenes existed. <laughs> and um the women too that you mentioned. That I never thought about that. I guess if you think about old school, you can you can talk about Dolly, Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette and uh I mean there's a bunch of them a, a bunch of great um Patsy Cline and so on, great female country singers. But
1: But there's always a fight like there's a there's an unwritten rule in country music radio that you don't play two songs in a row by women. Really? Yeah. I always when I'm listening, I I try to see if that's still holding true. Um, and every once in a while I hear two women in a row, but it's really not very often.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. An old boys network or a boys net. I don't know if old boy, just a boys ne- a boys yeah. network or, or uh, sort of scene. Um, and and now, the the beats thing. I wanted to get to that. You know, from this experience with Mister Redmond, uh, mm-hmm. Rich, uh, you guys, I guess, figured. You know, we, we have a, a nice working uh, connection here, and 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 you both appreciate the creative life, I guess. So you started this newsletter.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a really big teacher. He teaches as much as he can. Um, he's. He's really a fascinating person. He teaches, he's an actor, um, he has his own podcast, he, um, of course, is, you know, drummer, touring, and a session music, musician, which is also odd in Nashville. I'll uh, be becoming more common, but almost because of him. Um and but the newsletter so we originally thought about the book we thought we could do a website sort of to support it and put tips on there for people moving to Nashville when we first started the book it was very more Nashville centered Um, so we were like we could put places that are good for artists to live and all that kind of stuff Um, but uh, the newsletter idea has been the most surprising fantastic thing that has come out of this book so far for me Um, So at first I was like, well, we'll just use it to market the book and maybe provide some tips for musicians. But then I took a class in how to make a newsletter from this woman named Amber Petty, and it kind of changed my life again. (laughs) And newsletters are having a moment right now, very much like blogs had back in the early 2000s. I subscribe to so many of them. I used to tease my my older daughter because she obsessively reads webcomics, like 400 of them or something like that. I told her I have to stop teasing her because I read so many letters now, (laughs) newsletters. Um, But I find all kinds of interesting things about music and writing and creativity in general. And I also write for the website Medium, which uh, is actually my highest following on social media. I'm not sure why, but I think that's awesome because it's really just my writing
0: and that's so, ca- that's a website called medium other
1: medium,
0: yeah uh, there are other writers as well but you're getting oh all... yeah
1: it's huge medium is pretty huge um so my goal is to find a few articles that have a theme do a little description of each article then write a longer piece about that theme post it on medium then put those links together in one spot on the newsletter and sometimes i can tie in something that's in the book or also rich's podcast and so that way I can sometimes get a four-way tie into the theme which makes it really multimedia which I love and uh, but this this kind of magic wand that amber or petty used on me I don't I don't have to do all of that even one or two of those things which is something that's totally accessible and easy is easy is enough for a great newsletter and that's the key to making it a sustainable practice instead of something I feel guilty about and put off doing so now it's fun on weeks I don't have time to hit that really high goal I've set for myself for the structure I still have a newsletter that's entering interesting and consistent which is important so and recently I started getting some feedback from artists who subscribe and our last n- newsletter I did a special feature about one subscriber who sent me a story he's also a drummer uh, and from Pennsylvania <laughs> And we happened to be in Nashville in the same week. So he invited me out to his show. And then I published his story in the newsletter. So that was a lot of fun. And it, it just, the whole thing just feeds my creativity and my confidence at the same time. And we get, like, we have, I don't know, we're almost at 100 subscribers now, which amazes me. I thought it would be like six people and all, and five of them I would know, you know?
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And, and uh, again, how often does that is,
1: Every other week.
0: Every every other week. So and, one,
1: yeah, one will be going out soon.
0: And you say it feeds your confidence it feeds your creativity. All this stuff—is it feeding your bank account as well, or is it? It's not about that. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I saw something the other day on Facebook that said you probably shouldn't uh, be in a contest against a writer. As far as something, as far as something that you can do for a really long time without getting paid. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, uh, hopefully the royalty statements will reflect it, but um, but the newsletter really isn't about... In fact, the, the newsletter class I took was called something like, your newsletter isn't going to make you any money, but this is why you should do it anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked about the creative life and being an artist, and... Uh, that is I mean you want to pay your bills and you want to be comfortable, but really it's a it's a calling it's a it's a way of of being alive you know you have to do right. it right so it's right. nice that well, you have avenues,
1: yeah, they say that too, like if you can do anything else, do that
0: <laughs> yeah, but if you were just doing stuff to make money and you weren't satisfying this need that you obviously have i I believe there'd be misery involved, you know.
1: Well, absolutely. And I think that's why, uh, actually, that's how I ended up getting into fiction. That's um, a
0: nice segue. You're good. So, let's oh. <laughs> tell, tell us about your interest in fiction.
1: So, so not long after I started the medical course writing, I had an idea for a romance novel that was partly based on some family lore and uh, brought in some of Molly Maguire history from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So, you probably know that the Molly Maguires were a group of mainly Irish coal miners that revolted against the coal mine bosses in the 1870s. Um, I really just couldn't get the idea out of my head. Uh, and, and somebody told me about NaNoWriMo, which means National Novel Writing Month.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That month is November every year. Hundreds of thousands of weirdos like me spend the month writing novels during that month. And the official goal is 50,000 words, which is a shortish novel. Uh, It's crazy, it's fun. I thought, great, I can get this story out of my head in a month and go on with my life. Uh, So I did it, and of course met maryland's liaison in the process and became best friends with her that's lee Butardanoff for anyone doing nanowrimo this year in maryland um and we started a writing critique group and they wouldn't let me stop writing and then i fell in love with fiction and then i discovered seton hill university which is where i got i started the mfa program there and and they had the first mfa program for genre fiction in the whole country most mfa programs for fiction are for literary fiction Mm. And, and then I found out one of my favorite fantasy authors, Maria V. Snyder, was about to start being a mentor for that program, so I applied and I got in, another external validation, <laughs> and we asked if Maria could be my mentor, and they said yes, and then I went to campus for my first semester's residency, so one week a semester, everybody meets in person, so that's the, res, you know, the low residency part of mm-hmm. the degree. And I walked around, in a haze most of the time and at one point our director said every time I see you you're smiling and I said because I never knew there were other people like me in the world
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: it was the best thing I've ever done in my whole life yeah. and my second mentor in the program was Tim Wagner he's a horror writer mainly and I, I keep maintaining that I don't write horror but I might protest too much so when I finished by the time I finished the program I asked if I could do it again it was so amazing and, and now that's all I ever want to do but And like you said, unfortunately, I have to still eat and pay rent on a New York City adjacent apartment. So I'm currently balancing that with a lot of editing and course writing.
0: Yeah. You know, you have to have a day job, so to speak. Uh, And it sounds like your day job isn't bad either. It's still connected to what you love.
1: Right, right. I I, I love my – I tell my kids that all the time. I keep trying to talk them into doing some kind of freelance work. Well. My daughter uh, my wants to get onto Broadway, but so that's kind of freelance. But, um, but usually they look at me like, ew. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, you, you know, that's one of the things that Mike, uh, our associate producer, and your, your friend and associate asked me to bring up, you know, this Broadway experiment. I don't even know what he's talking about. What, yeah. it, what is the Broadway experiment?
1: <laughs> so the Broadway experiment is a planned series of articles for Medium, um, where I want to chronicle the joys and pitfalls of helping my daughter try to make it on Broadway so she um, let's see um, she when she finished high school two years ago she um, decided not to go to college and she just wanted to come here and try to make it on Broadway so that's what we're doing here so I thought you know why not mind your children's experiences for your writing Uh <laughs> Um, So I also have a... I thought I would write it as it happened, but things things like this need a little space, I think, to really put them into the right perspective. So for now, I'm just making notes and organizing my ideas for the series. And I also have a set of notes for a series called The Nomad Experiment for when I get a little deeper into that, when I want to travel... And uh, there's also a lineup on my chalkboard for the divorce experiment, and that's actually one that might get to a series first. Um, besides getting married, getting divorced was probably the best thing my husband, my ex-husband and I ever did for our relationship, and it was uh, 11 months ago that we got divorced.
0: So So it's, it's relatively uh, new. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah you guys but, are
0: getting along. That's nice. Oh my God,
1: we're like best friends again. It's amazing. We were together for 36 years. Wow, um, and we're having a great relationship now. It's amazing.
0: So, that is, you know, Mike. Yeah. My, my uh, compliments. Well, you have a great I, energy. I married well. <laughs> you, you married well, right? Again, you divorced, so divorced well. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you know you have a great energy. I think that's part of it. He must have a pretty good one too, otherwise it takes two to tango. Either way, you know, getting in or getting getting out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it the the attitude the perspective has a lot to do with where you are, you know, in, in terms of happiness, in terms of productivity and success, I would imagine. Now, how do you define all, all this stuff you're talking about, all these projects, all these pursuits, um, all these relationships and connections? How do you know it's, it's all working out? How do you know it's all, you know, it's success? How do you know it's good? How do you gauge it?
1: Well, I don't know. For professionally, if you ever know, it's Go, I mean, besides you know, making money, I guess at it, but um, but I'm happy. So that's how I gauge it. I mean, if I if I weren't happy doing this, I'd do something else.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you just follow your, your. And I,
1: it's not like I don't ever have a bad day, or <laughs> I don't ever have doubts. I have plenty of doubts. Well, you'd be
0: just... a weirdo if you didn't have right. have a bad no, just
1: day. The yeah. other day, I, I called a friend. I'm like, does this ever happen to you? Like, like. I, talked, I said, I'm about to be interviewed on a podcast. I'm going to Nashville. We got an award. I'm doing this newsletter, and people are subscribing. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not very good at this. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> maybe I should do something else. But then I was like, she's like, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. Maybe I just need a glass of wine. But <laughs> everybody has doubts. But at the end of the day, I can honestly say I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that, that quote, I'm sure you've heard it before by uh, Joseph Campbell, you know, fo- follow your bliss. That's the whole key. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it sounds like you are.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, there's some privilege that goes with that, too. I mean, in the beginning of my career, I, I could just pick and choose what I wanted to work on because my husband was a doctor. Right. Oh, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're both, I would say, very... Privileged in many regards compared to many folks on this planet. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and that's a whole other conversation. But we're just we're struggling through too in our own way, in our own uh, you know lives and, and situations. And uh, I'm very I'm very excited and impressed and inspired by what you're doing. Uh, oh. if, if people wanted to check it all out, I guess they could. Uh, the, you have a web page?
1: Yeah, it's Jen hyphen. De D-E-L-L-A-Z-A-N-N-A dot com.
0: Delezzana. I was, I, I make, I'm, I'm an Italian-American, so I make everything, you know, <laughs> emphatically Italian. Delezzana, you know. Yeah,
1: well, Gary's dad is from, uh, is from Italy. He came over when he was 19, so Gary's a first generation. That's um,
0: your ex-husband? Yeah. And what was your, what's your maiden name? Hartman. Hartman.
1: Good German girl.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> I remember that show from back in the '70s. Oh no! You remember that one? That
1: scarred me, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Yeah. They called me that in like fifth grade. I'm
0: sorry for bringing <laughs> bringing a bad memory. But we're the
1: same age, so <laughs>
0: yeah. So we have we have common references. <laughs> um, well, what so what's coming up next? You have a, a fictional a novel coming out. Are you, well, are you working on so it?
1: so my um, well, my novel that was my what i wrote in graduate school is with an agent right now but it needs another rewrite but i've been too busy to do it um my right now i'm working with another member of jason l dean's band his pedal steel player jay jackson great jay is a, an amazing artist as well as a musician and i met him through rich of course i actually emailed him about giving me some stories for rich's book way back when we first started writing and funny rich said he's the least likely one to email you back but he was the only one who emailed me back but he emailed me to say he had no stories about rich but he was wondering if i could help him with a children's book idea he had for a few years and it turns out it wasn't just an idea he'd made drawings he'd sculpted the characters and the settings and besides that he's super cool and really interesting to talk to um, so we've been kicking around a bunch of ideas for the past couple of years and we're finally getting close to an actual full story. Now I just have to get it on paper and he's got a lot of drawings to inspire me and he actually just became part of my literary agency. So it's it's kind of official now and my agent is researching where we're going to submit when I finally have everything polished up and, uh, and this is now the favorite part of my life. So one day I met him at one of their concerts and we hung out on the tour bus and did some brainstorming. <laughs>
0: So like, yeah, I
1: totally felt like a rock star It sounds like it huh? Backstage I was backstage I ate dinner with the crew With Jason Aldean Hung out in Whiskey River Which is his backstage area uh, Yeah Yeah I'm just a rock star
0: I think that's a Willie Nelson reference Isn't it Whiskey <laughs> River? Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a very cool scene, and I'm sure these these folks are are uh, a lot a lot of fun to be around, right?
1: They are. They are. They really are. They're just and they're just super nice people. They really are just super nice normal people.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure of it. And they're living well, so they're probably extra happy. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a pleasure having you on the program. I'm so, I'm so happy that uh, Dr. Pavise, a.k.a. Michael, uh, suggested it. And, I, Amazing. you know, uh, any, any thoughts you'd like to share, any insights you'd like to share uh, before we, we say toodaloo for now? I'd like to have you on again.
1: Uh, oh, I'd love to be on again. Um, there's a quote from Anais Nin who, that I've written out and keep by my desk. And it says, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And I put off things that I think are only for myself for way too long. I always have, and I probably always will. Um, But I think people who do that should remember that it causes pain to do that to yourself. And sometimes because you're in pain to other people. So it's scary and sometimes painful to do what you want to do. But in the end, it's important and beautiful. So don't stay a a bud, just blossom.
0: Wonderful. Jennifer DeLazan, thank you so much (laughs) for sharing your energy, your experience, your insight with us here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. A pleasure talking with you.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: And if you want any dirt on uh, Dr. Pavese, let me know. I'll call you. Yeah, give me a call. (laughs) Have fun in Nashville. Have fun with uh, your, your projects, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good day. You too. Ciao. Ciao. Anthropocene. Soccer practice under the lights on a Thursday. The champagne probably flowing backstage somewhere in Manhattan, Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin. Warm stars arranged in the sky like forever. And without need of affirmation, yet brightly shining still, content, joy-inspiring, as one projects their human life into the infinite ether with the flowers, gray clouds, and the sun hmm <sighs>
2: It's coming from the flames that are dancing on my wings I'ma put on a whack in time Phoenix got me shaking, rises up like a moon to meet me Phoenix got me quaking like Sandra's San heart Just put a cloth to my brow I saw like a phoenix from the ashes Rises up like a word to meet me. He's got a great light, setting dreams on Just put a cloth to my brow. I soar like a phoenix from the ashes, burning it like a torch. I'm ready now.
0: Episode 544 of Troubadours and Tours, With yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Jennifer zanna And these musical artists. The Lonious Monk. Julia Jacqueline Waxahachie Helena Dayland Eofe O'Donovan Brentford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard too and of course I would like to thank you for listening until next time let's give it a go and do our best with this time